Hey everybody, welcome once again to another episode of There's Just Something About Kansas City, where we're in conversation and talking about the people, places, and things that make this such a great place to live. And I couldn't be happier to have this guy sitting across from me today, the one and only Cliff Illick. Okay, uh, of course, everybody knows him from Cerner, and uh, he's the principal investor on On Goal LLC. We then the owner of Sporting Kansas City. And Cliff, I, I can't thank you enough. And you are a true Kansas Cityan, born and raised here, went to high school here, went to the University of Kansas for business school. I mean, you are a true Kansas Cityan. All true, Frank, and it's great to be here. Yeah, really good to uh, to t- talk to you as well. Let's uh, let's start a little bit about with your background. Sure. Uh, born and raised in uh, Leewood. Yep. Went to Shy Mission East High School and then on to the University of Kansas. Any thoughts as you were growing up to go to, I don't know, somewhere else or to leave or to get out of town? No, I don't think ever. Um, you know, I was on a uh, – I actually got to – early on in the Shawnee Mission High School District, which is a great school district then and now uh, from an education standpoint. I got to I – I was exposed to the very first computer science program in, that, in, in the, in the oh, Kansas wow. City area at Shawnee Mission High School District. So I got a, um, a, a quick dip in technology um, and realized that that was uh, kind of fun. I got engrossed in it, did some stuff over at KU. Uh, in that, ended up graduating from KU with an accounting degree, of all things. Right. Um, but came back to Kansas City uh, after graduation and, and went to work for what now is Accenture, uh, one of the big um, IT consulting organizations. And I was there uh, the week I started. Um, I met Neil Patterson. Wow, and yeah. So we were we worked together there for six or seven years, and at some point decided we'd go do something else and started Cerner. Wow. That, that's a real quick uh, story of how you got there. I know it probably wasn't quite that easy or that, you know, just to make that step by step by step. But w- when you when you did the computer class in the Shawnee Mission School District, was it Fortran? Was that is yeah. that how far yeah, back it that was, goes? Yeah, prob- you had, yeah, it was the four, the old. I mean, uh, people are looking at us Fortran. What the heck is Fortran? But I think that was the initial, initial uh, intro into computers at that time. We had the punch cards, yep. and all that sort of thing, right? Everything we did, uh, we did our programming on a on a key punch machine. Uh, punched out these little little cards that had the all the codes and stuff on them, and loaded it into the computer, and that caused the computer to do what it did. And really, that it didn't that didn't change much. Um, uh, even when I was over at KU, and then even on our, the first opportunity we had to go build uh, computer systems for businesses mm-hmm. in my career, we were we were still fundamentally using that same stuff. But today, your the phone you carry around is probably ten times as more more powerful than than the big computers yeah. we were using to solve business problems. Right in the in the in the early seventies. And didn't you do some? Were you uh, doing punch cards for? Was it for your father? Uh, you, you were doing punch cards somewhere else along the line before you got to. Yeah, uh, my dad. My dad uh, ran a business and and was quick to adapt computers. And I was only I was probably only twelve or thirteen years old. Oh wow! And he needed some real cheap labor to go stuff cards and <laughs> <laughs> into a computer. And I kind of enjoyed doing it. And I kind of enjoyed watching the flashing lights and trying to figure out what was going on inside yeah. that box and. And that, you know, I think that probably where is where all the interest started. But right, I was going to say, ways. yeah, that, that was where the curiosity came from, right? To see absolutely, and then to make it to make it better, to make it more efficient. 
as you go along, right? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I've been kind of caught up in technology ever since. Yeah. You graduated in 72, mm-hmm. and your first job was at Accenture? Well, it's uh, what it was Arthur Anderson at the Arthur time. Anderson. It was okay. the consulting group. It right. was the group that did IT. It wasn't the group that did uh, accounting and tax stuff. Yeah, and so as as you progress through there, I know it's going to come up later where you have that infamous meeting. Three of you guys are sitting there, you, Neil Patterson, and uh, uh, Paul Gurup, right? Yep. Uh, we're all sitting at a picnic table or one of the tables at, at Loose Park, and you're studying for— well, we were we were we were all um, I don't know maybe we were understimulated I don't know we were working <laughs> together on on projects uh, during the week and we decided on a lark to go take the CPA exam just for fun yeah it was it was you know we worked for a CPA firm and if you passed the exam you could be a certified public accountant and mm-hmm. so it was just it was really just kind of a um, you know, a challenge to, to get over. And so we went, there was a course that you took to kind of prepare for that. We did that on Saturdays and we got to talking while we were at, all three of us were at that course. Well, if we're not, if we're not doing what we're doing, what would we do? Mm-hmm. And we started talking about how we'd really over the six or seven years we'd been working with Anderson, um, we'd gotten to see the birth of the software industry. And so that was intriguing to us. We liked the macroeconomics mm-hmm. of software. You write it once and you sell it a lot of times. And so we just we, – we went out – we decided – Neil was always the guy that kind of called the question. He said, okay, well, let's, let's get together and talk about it. We met out at Loose Park on a, a picnic table and probably nine, ten sat, Sundays in a row in the summer of 1979 and wrote on – and we didn't have PCs and laptops and stuff to write business plans on. So we wrote a business plan on a bunch of 14-column accounting spreadsheets. Wow. And, um, you know, we made a list of the industries we knew something about, manufacturing, distribution, public utilities, tr- you know, uh, trucking, you know, the, it, things that we'd done. We made a list of industries we didn't know anything about. Healthcare was on the second list. Wow. And so we just bailed out of, of that environment in late 79, threw out our shingle down on the plaza um, and just did some consulting work and but very – Soon after we started, we had uh, a bunch of doctors who were heavily involved in some computer stuff that wasn't working very well come to us and ask us to to look over their shoulder and see if we could make it better. Uh, we did that, and we did it, um, you know, quickly. Uh, but we very uh, early on got a, a, a very good sense that healthcare was a place that needed kind of what we did. Help. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we wanted to be in an industry that had never automated its fundamental mission. And contrary to the popular belief, the fundamental mission of healthcare is not to print a bill. It's really to take care of people. Right. And so we, we built the business plan around the notion of building software that would help healthcare run better and address the needs of patients. And that's what we did at CERN. How many times have you said no to before you, before the second page? Came up for you, as far as healthcare is concerned. Did you go to people and say, "Hey, we can change this for you. We can make this easier for you." Did you get no? Well, said no, we to had, a lot. We had a uh, we had a very good relationship with doctors, and we had a doctor who actually had been working here in Kansas City, took a job in Tulsa uh, to run a large hospital-based medical laboratory uh, there. And he part of his deal with the sisters that ran the, the hospital there was he could buy whatever laboratory information system he wanted. Mm-hmm. He asked Neil to 
to kind of run the ridges with him, run around the country and look at what's there. And Neil came back to me at one point and said, look, I can't believe how bad this stuff is, and I can't really believe how much they're charging for it. And he says, I'm thinking that maybe we should propose to write a system from scratch, which is fairly audacious. Yeah. And mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with very large hospitals, I have Fortune 500 uh, executives on the boards and those kind of things. But we pitched them a proposal, and they took it. And we, uh, starting in early 1980, we started putting together the plans for, for building that system. We turned on the first one in Tulsa in, in August of 1982. Wow. And so it, it's almost you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Yeah, it, clearly. Yeah. And, you know, we have, um, we have always saluted the influence of very good luck. Yeah. Well— Hard work will get you some good luck. I'll guarantee that much. And you, and you mentioned Neil. God rest his soul, Neil Patterson. He was always a guy. And I know you still refer to him now. What would Neil do? Okay, <laughs> because he was always like the lead guy. But how did the three of you actually get together and and just this was your baby? This well, we were we were you know, pretty good friends a, before that. We worked together starting in '72. We right. worked on projects together. Uh, we, I, I was living in St. Joe on a project there, and Neil was up there quite a bit. Um, uh, you know, we uh, used to play a lot of full-contact racquetball. Uh, <laughs> Not very, only banging bodies, but slamming the ball yeah, off of somebody yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, very very competitive yeah. in and, and, and tennis. And uh, I was doing some motocross and some stuff at the time. I'd take him up the hills on, on the bikes and do my best to kill him. Uh, <laughs> Because you know, you're tired of listening yeah, to them. Yeah, we, we, we just had a great time. But it's interesting because we're very different. Um, even our careers at Anderson, we were very, very different. Um, Neil was uh, a very direct guy, um, uh, very bright, uh, had a broad grasp of what needed to get done. Uh, but he could be he could be a little difficult. And I think the over-under, when we walked away from Anderson in September of 79, I think the over-under for how long we'd get along was about three weeks. <laughs> Without we were, some buffers. We were together for 35 years. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it goes to show you. But And, and, and part of our the strength of our group, uh, Paul, Neal, and I, was the fact that we were different. And we almost always agreed on where we were yeah. going. We almost always disagreed on how we were going to get there. And the process of reconciling those perspectives ended up putting us on a pretty, pretty good path to, to success. Yeah, exactly. Because you had to interact with one another and try to figure out, no, I don't like that. Well, why do you like that? Well, I like it because of this. Well, I don't like it because of this. Well, let's try to either get a middle ground or you're going to be right or I'm going to be right or something. But at least you never had a falling out, which is, uh, which is no, fairly I mean, incredible and, in a business like that. Yeah. Neil, Neil <laughs> said often um, when, when people were trying to kind of parse through how, why our partnership worked as well as it did. He said often, hey, um, you know, we, we, we would disagree about what, what some of the things that we were working on, but we never, our disagreements were never personal. Yeah. And so exactly. we never let it, you know, kind of get to the point where uh, we we're, you know, we were duking it out with each other. And, um, you know, we, you know, Neil and I lived, Paul, you know, left the company for a while and came back. Uh, Neil and I lived out of the same pocketbook for 35, 40 years. That's awesome. And uh, and, and well, I so think tru- and I think truly, uh, you know, our relationship was a partnership. Um, you know, and I think it's uh, we we got onto some stuff that worked very well with us. We learned to play the people game well. 
Um, you know, if you want to win the people game, the, what you have to do is get the best people. Yeah. And we had a long history of being able to attract really good people to the environments that we worked in. And then we, and then, you know, then we had to, um, you know, we had to fight through a bunch of stuff. We were never really afraid of complexity. Um, you know, and complexity is the thing that usually breaks down small mm -hmm. companies. It's just too hard. And we'd take it on. Uh, we just figure it out. And yeah. we did that for decades. And the, and, the, and, and the end result ended up being is, is um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd meet on things. We'd, we could disagree. But part of our, our fundamental uh, way of doing things is you can oppose something, but you had to propose something else. Yeah. Yeah, so and it was you, always it, constructive. Yeah, right. And three of your slogans actually were figure it out, slog away, and what would Neil do? I mean, those, <laughs> they were maybe your three tenants as you guys went through the business and obviously worked very well. When you first started, when you first proposed it and you got this first medical situation, how many people were did you employ at that time? Was it still just the three of you or no, how we, many did you have at that point? We, were, we, we ran a, a small but fairly um, productive consulting operation mm -hmm. before we got into the into the writing the software for the for the lab. Um, when we turned on the system in 1982 in, in, in Tulsa, uh, I think we probably had 25 people in the company. Wow. And then um, we just had a um, we just had a uh, a little celebration for uh, an individual that came to us as controller of of uh, Cerner back in ni November of 1983. Wow! And so 40 years this month, and it was funny because uh, there were a lot of things going on in November of 1983, including. Uh, Michael, like my son, was born that month. Yeah. So it's not, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 to sustain really great people relationships over that number of decade decades, and mm -hmm. you know the individual I'm talking about is 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 somebody who worked with us hard at, at Cerner. She hired ended up hiring a whole bunch of the people that built the finance function at Cerner. Uh, she left for a, a few years and became a a mom and did that. And then she came back into Neil's, Neil's My World in 2006 or seven, wow. and has been running and ran everything that he and I were doing away from Cerner. Yeah, right. From a financial standpoint. Okay, the name, Cerner. How'd you come up with Cerner? Oh. <laughs> I know it's Latin, right? Well, it was from, so. you got to kind of string, there's lots of beads string together here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we it was one of those deals where we our name up until that point was Patterson, Gorup. Illig and Associates. Oh boy! And then we didn't think that was a moniker. Warriors. That we could, that's not like a law firm. Yeah, it, it wasn't <laughs> something we could descend on the international marketplace for healthcare IT with. Right. So there was actually a, and, and we were always um, supportive of Kansas City entrepreneurs like us. Uh, there was an entrepreneurial ad agency that was just getting started, and, and they had a guy that ran the agency. They had a guy that did the word stuff. They had a guy that did the art stuff, and they had a gal that just kind of held it all together. And they came out and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a whole bunch of names up on the board, and or words up on the board you like. Okay, and we're going to sort through that and see if anything pops. And so we did that. And, we, and, and you know, it was kind of tech stuff, Intel, ITEL, that kind of thing. Right, just didn't, right. Just didn't quite. I was going to get the idea did, across, but could, you didn't like it. it. Well, it was easy to say, well, I don't like that. Well, again, under the, if you oppose, you got to propose. What do you like? And our reaction was, we like things like Xerox and Enron and, you know, and Exxon and companies that, 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 that were the word didn't mean anything until mm -hmm. the company made it mean something. Right. 
And so um, we played with that for a while. They couldn't, couldn't get it. Neil finally just out of frustration said, why don't you just take some of those words that we've been kicking around that we kind of like, run it through some foreign language dictionaries. Let's see what pops. That's and so, and like seven different foreign language <laughs> dictionaries came back in several weeks later, and um, uh, you know, and, and put them all up on the board. We went through them after, and a little frustrating. But Neil went after me. He said, "Cliff, what'd you like?" And I said, "I didn't see anything, any really anything I liked." And then Gene Patterson, with Gene Lilly at the time, but Gene Patterson was with us, and Neil said, "Well, Gene, what'd you like?" She said, well, there's this one word, I think it was Spanish, that I kind of like, sir. And Neil said, what, what did it mean? And he said, oh, it was some Latin word that meant sift or refine or Separate. something. Separate. Mm-hmm. And it, well, he says, that doesn't mean anything. He says, well, and she says, I just like the word. And so Neil said, Cliff, what do you think? I said, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so Neil, Neil took a three-by-five card, wrote Cerner on it, stuck it on that pegboard behind his, you know, the credence on his desk. He says, three weeks from today, we're going to decide. Three weeks from that day, we decide the name was Cerner. Cerner, yeah. Well, he he liked it, so he pinned it up behind him so you'd see it every day, right? <laughs> so you'd get used to the word. He ingrained that in your brain, so you knew exactly what he was doing. So, yeah. So it's, okay, we got a lot of those, yeah. you know, just kind of – it in, You'd like to think that there's a lot of management science to it or, uh, you know, really well-informed. <laughs> right. Uh, Taking uh, half of somebody's name. A lot name, of it was just. Sir is somebody's name and, you know, Nur yeah. is somebody else's I can't name. tell you how many times we've we've had people want to be introduced to Mr. Cerner. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, we, we, and, you know, we called the company Cerner. We called all the products we produced something else. Right. But it was amazing in the marketplace, all of our products became known as Cerner. Yeah, and so our clients kind of took, sure. uh, took you know, across the country, around the world, kind of took on their own version of, of voting on what right. they liked, and Cerner stood up. But that was great because that was the reputation of Cerner. So it didn't matter what product right. that you were doing; it's Cerner made. Oh, all those products are great because they're done yeah. by Cerner. So, and and you, you know, know, and so we built a brand around it. Sure, we built visibility around it, huge built a presence brand. around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we used it to attract uh, talent uh, to to Cerner and to Kansas City. Right. Um, ended up building about a, oh, I guess, fifteen thousand person organization here in town, uh, and there was another fifteen thousand people kind of spread around the globe uh, when uh, Oracle acquired the company here a year or so ago. Right. So, what were your thoughts when uh, you know you, you have you end up employing fifteen thousand people and. Now, now it is global because it was taken over by Oracle. But it, it, it you had to attract the talent here to Kansas City. What did you sell them on to bring them in? Well, I mean, and and you know, to the to the theme of your um, of your endeavor here, um, you know, we looked carefully and critically at whether Kansas City was the best place to have the company as we were growing it. And because the great one of the greatest challenges we had was attracting talent. Yes, and there were factions within our uh, certainly within our software engineering organizations that felt that it would be a lot easier to attract software talent, which was probably more than half of the people here in Kansas City were software engineers and technical people. Um, we thought they thought it would be easier if we were in a place where there was more. More of that. Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, or Austin, right? Or okay, the Triangle, or someplace. And we actually we we 
thoughtfully went through it and said, you know what? Yeah, we could do that. But then we're just like everybody else. We're out there competing in those markets then. I mean, it's, you know, nice thing about Kansas City is there's not a lot of competition right. for that talent. The thing that's not so great about Kansas City is we were at some, at some points hiring 15, 1,800 software engineers a year. And our regional university <clears throat> system just doesn't produce that number of, of software engineers. So, again, under the complexity theme, and let's figure it out, um, we had a really crack team that um, um, created supply chains to the West Coast and to the East Coast and created relationships with the universities that were producing right. the really top uh, software engineering talent. And then, um, you know, we would, we, we, we would bring in the, the key professors from those schools and, wow. and teach them Cerner. Uh-huh. Um, we would cheat and use their, the kids that were already working for us <laughs> right. to take them to dinner and tell them what it was like to work at Cerner. And, and, and I think we were able to put a pretty compelling value proposition in front mm-hmm. of those young people because you could be working at Cerner two or three years and be, end up going from a team member to a team leader and taking on significant responsibilities. So the thing we used to draw people in was not just the I – mean, it was the opportunity to build a career – um, and at the same time, you know, everybody that came here that wasn't from here uh, recognized uh, they, they, they challenged that, hey, Kansas City, is, you know, this is the middle of no place. Why would I want to be there? But we'd get them here and we'd show them Kansas mm-hmm. City. We'd show them the lifestyle, the livability, the cost of living. The no traffic. Navigability yeah, of, right. of, uh, of it. And, you know, the quality of the schools and, you know, just across the board. And we were very successful. At, at, at attracting young people out of other places to Kansas City. The interesting thing is that once we got them here, they never left. Yeah, They're still here for the yeah. most part, even though may, some of them may have graduated out of Cerner and doing other things. Many of those people are still here in Kansas City. Yeah. It's because it's just something about Kansas City, right? <laughs> All true. I just, yeah, I got to throw that in yeah, there. You know how that goes. Okay, so, and you are so good with entrepreneurs, people who have ideas like the three of you had, like your you know, the three musketeers, the original three musketeers that have a great idea and an idea that and you help those you help them get established and get started because you know how hard it is. Well, it, there's several different angles, I think, to that point, Frank, is that that, um, you know, Neil was always a big believer. Neil grew up on a farm and there's almost nothing more entrepreneurial than than being a farmer. And and he was uh, always of the the took the position that the best thing we could do for young entrepreneurs is share with them the experience of more of older entrepreneurs. Right. And it wasn't just Neil and I, we were frankly not that old at the time, but we were able to get the, you know, the, 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 the Jim Stowers and the halls and the blocks and the Hellsbergs and, and um, many, you know, seasoned Kansas city entrepreneurs because Kansas city is just a super entrepreneurial place. Um, you know, and Neil would we, would create these these uh, uh, sessions. He did a lot of them at his home, and so you'd have you know you'd have Henry Block in the library, and you'd have somebody else out by the <laughs> pool, the <laughs> right? And 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 then we'd have, we'd have seventy five to hundred young entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur types Sitting who would around. just mill around, and mm-hmm. we'd just talk. Mm-hmm. And it, it and and I think that was probably one of the most effective things we've done, but we've done a lot of things to try to support early stage development of early stage companies, because fundamentally 
you know, that's what we've always been. You look right. at any really substantial company here in the Kansas City area, certainly any that's headquartered here, they did not move here. They right. were built here. Yeah. And and that in doing that here is sustaining this area as well. I mean, it's sustaining the Kansas City metro to keep it a viable area instead of becoming a ghost town. I'm a I'm a big believer in the in the word enterprise. Um and I use it a little bit differently than most others. I, I really consider, at least in the Kansas City area, anytime we're able to build or attract a new enterprise, uh, it's a company that has that generates more than 70% of its revenue from someplace else. Mm-hmm. And we bring that revenue back to Kansas City. It adds economic lift. We it hires we hire people. Cerner had it was a six or seven billion dollar company, and we brought that six or seven billion dollars from around the world. 30 different countries and all that, back to Kansas City. We used it to employ $1.2 billion worth of people here in the Kansas City area. We were constantly building buildings and other things. Mm -hmm. And so that was $1.6, $1.7 billion a year worth of economic lift to Kansas City from a little company that started here. Yes, three guys. If we want to grow, if we want to Had the idea at a park bench. (laughs) It's it's an incredible story. Well, and there's lots of others, Garmin and and, and, Tradebot. I mean, there's dozens of them. But the, the, the really important thing is, is that we recognize that, the, that part of what makes that possible is the, those things that make Kansas City great. Yeah. And we can use those to attract. We're not going to be good at mo- getting big companies to move their headquarters from someplace right. else. But we can be really good at growing uh, new businesses, new enterprises. And if we're fortunate enough to grow enterprises that do generate revenue from a right. lot of other places, those economic resources all come back to Kansas City and be, can be used then to grow. And the banks and the hospitals and everybody else can grow with it. Sure. Your decision to sell, was it a hard decision to make or? Well, I actually was, um, I left the board in uh, 2019 Um Neil passed away in July of 2017. Mm-hmm. I jumped back in the cockpit for a little less than a year uh, after his his death, um, and was CEO and and, and chairman. Um, worked with our board of directors uh, on the uh, initiative to find the next CEO for Cerner. Right. Um, that that came to pass um, in early um, uh, uh, 2018, and. Um, at that time, I mean, and you get those kind of changes. It always kind of attracts the attention of the other big companies that yes. are interested in our market. And so we we, 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 we had some interest in, in not necessarily acquiring the company, but in working with us as, as we made the transition uh, to new leadership. And uh, one of those companies that attracted us for a very long time was Oracle. And I'm not, and this is well, but I mean, Neil and, 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 and Larry Ellison actually had a relationship. They corresponded. Um, they were a little bit alike and, you know, mm-hmm. you know very uh, interesting characters and very um, uh, visionary in their, their perspective of what needed to happen in their respective industries. And um, so I think it was fairly natural that they paid attention to us. And after I actually left the board in 2019, then Oracle uh, came in in 2020, early 2021, I think, and indicated to the board uh, that they'd like to start the process of considering right. to acquire uh, uh, Cerner. And that made a lot of sense from Oracle's standpoint. They were trying to be a big a big deal in cloud computing up against the- They the, are a big the, deal. The Amazons <laughs> and the IBMs yeah. and the Microsofts and Googles and, and others that run those cloud environments. 
And they really wanted to, they felt like to be a big deal in cloud computing that they needed to do it in a big industry. And there's no industry worldwide that's right. bigger than healthcare. Yeah. They already were, they, Oracle had a big business footprint in healthcare worldwide, and it just made a lot of sense to combine the, the capabilities of Cerner with Oracle. Right. And then go take on, and, and Larry has a very elevated um, vision and view of what healthcare around the world can be as it uses technology in different right. ways. And Cerner's a big part of that. Sure. And Brian and Michael weren't interested. I mean, as far as, you know, moving in, starting with you and no, being they, in, in your industry. You know, I, I remember when um, Michael was a little guy, three or four years old, um, you know, he'd, he'd grab a racquetball racket and a tennis ball and he'd follow Neil and I around the tennis court. And, you know, so my kids spent a lot of time around Neil. Neil and uh, <laughs> uh, I think they, they, they got involved with us as, as, um, we, made, we did a pretty good job, I think, making Cerner successful. At some point, we started doing some other stuff. Right. Uh, we did start doing some real estate stuff. We had the uh, investments in the golf operations at Lock Lloyd and at, at the National up north. Um, you know, we just had a bunch of things that we sure. were doing. They actually ended up being more interested in that than, sure. they, than they were right. uh, trying to become part of Cerner. Now, on the other hand, uh, Neil Sun Clay, who's our partner now in the soccer stuff, um, you know, um, went to Harvard, got an MBA, went to, spent quite a bit of time at Cerner and, uh, was a key contributor there for, for quite a while. So it, you know, and that was did, his path. Yeah. And, yeah. and Lindsay's, uh, Neil's daughter that now runs the Patterson foundation, um, was also a Cerner associate for a while. Yeah. So it, it, it just kind of depended on what the kids were interested in. Yeah. We'll talk about some of the philanthropic things coming up here, but okay. So you sell and. Your interest in soccer, you end up buying the uh, the old Kansas City Wizards from the Hunt family, and why soccer? What what motivated you to get <laughs> well, that's another, in, into this into this deal? You know, we we got to know <laughs> Lamar pretty well yeah. uh, in the '90s. Lamar was one of those guys that came to the entrepreneurial exchange meetings at Neil's house, oh, and you know, Neil and I called, and I think we have a reasonable basis for this, always designated Lamar Hunt as the greatest entrepreneur in sports of all time. Mm -hmm. You know, his involvement, in not obviously the AFL, which became uh, the Chiefs in the NFL, but also uh, World Team Tennis and, and yeah, the soccer. goals and mm -hmm. other things that they're involved in. So uh, Lamar called us in 2006 and so I'd like to have dinner with you guys. So he called you. Yeah, he called okay. us, and he said, and and he he had been working with uh, some of the guys that are our our partners now on trying to find a way to keep the uh, the Wizards in Kansas City, and he pulled Neil and I aside at dinner. He says, "Look, I I just I you know the league." is not pleased with the way we look here in Kansas City at Arrowhead, and they're not pleased with the um, um, the fan interest here right. in Kansas City. And, and uh, they're, they're uh, pushing to consider moving the team to another city um, uh, in the future. And Lamar was – he was adamant. And, and at the time, Lamar owned three teams. Right. He owned Columbus, he owned Kansas City, and he owned Dallas. And the league had – and actually the, the uh, Phil Anschutz – and AAG, I think, owned a five at the time. And just to kind of get the – they were trying to get the league started. And, um, and, and the league had declared that we needed to move to a, an era where it was one owner, one team. 
and uh, at the same time made it very clear that the future soccer needed to be played in soccer-specific buildings. Mm-hmm. And all, all of us that here in Kansas City have, have, should have a very interesting perspective on um, sports-specific buildings mm-hmm. because it was Arrowhead and Royal Stadium in 1967 or 8 when they got all that started and the design got done when they opened at 71 70, 70 71, um, where it demonstrated that buildings that were designed for NFL football and buildings that were designed for Major League Baseball were much more, much better fan experiences because you weren't sitting there at a football game looking at home plate. Yeah, right, <laughs> like the old Three Rivers and right. Riverfront. Well, all and, the, yeah. all them all, and it's interesting, yeah. after, I think— after, Oakland Coliseum. I think after uh, Truman Sports Complex opened in the early 70s, I think maybe the only multi-purpose building built after that was Joe Robbie. Yes, in Miami. You're absolutely right. And then, and then uh, the other interesting thing is that that group of architects that formed the consortium that designed this German Sports Complex with Arrowhead and Royal Stadium ended up breaking up after that project and ended up creating six or seven different sports uh, architectural firms. Most of which were based here in Kansas City. Still, and still here. Yeah, and still yeah. here. So mm-hmm. Kansas City is, is practically the epicenter of sports architecture. Yes. But we have this. We became that because of the focus on sports-specific buildings. Right. And so Lamar made the case to us at dinner. He said, look, I'm going to make four points to you. First of all, um, soccer is the world's game. And even out here in the flatlands of America, we're becoming much more global in our perspective. Second, the Hispanic demographic in this country is going to continue to drive demand for high-quality football, mm-hmm. and it's F-U-T-B-O-L, uh, you know, the, you know, for, um, um, in this country. Third is uh, there's 100,000 kids playing the game here in Kansas City, and the way Lamar Hunt thought is those are all future season ticket holders. Oh, yeah. yeah right. it was exactly. kinda, you know, he so. always connected things to the, you know, what was <laughs> necessary to step fill up the stadium. And, but his most compelling point, Frank, was he said that, hey, Kansas City is a major league city in the minds of most of the rest of the country because of our major league sports franchises. If we lose one of those, we become less major league. So I would like you, Cliff, and you, Neil, to consider working with me to buy the, the Wizards. He said, I'm not looking to make a bunch of money here. I'm just I'm, I'm wanting to make sure Kansas City has soccer. Right. And, that, and anybody that knew Lamar Hunt knew what he'd done with the NASL and and uh, how many World Cups he'd been to and yes. that's, understood what a fan he was of soccer. And he wanted Kansas City to have soccer. Yeah. Neil and I walked out of that that um, um, dinner at the Capitol Grill down at the plaza and we're waiting for our cars to show up. Neil said, are we going to do this? I said, Neil, I don't think we got any choice. <laughs> that was the so, Lamar Hunt, yeah, you know, just, yeah. just in case you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> so I went home and mentioned it to my wife, who, and, and, and we'd had the dinner, and what, the way it kind of came out, she said, oh, you've got to be kidding. I couldn't wait for the kids to quit playing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to what Bonnie. What are we doing? <laughs> Leave it to Bonnie to put throw a... Now, well, now she's, now she's, she's the biggest soccer fan. crazy, she's, yes. Yeah, she sits right down next to Peter and, yeah. um, you know, and— and every time we win, he, she takes him a nice glass of wine into the press conference, and you know it's just absolute best of fans. Yeah. But anyway, that's the that's a story for you know how we got it. We ended up uh, keeping our promise to Lamar to put the team in a soccer specific building, and in, in um, uh, 2011 when we opened the the 
um, um, you know, what's now Children's Mercy Children's Park. Mercy now, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, we've done a pretty good job filling the building up ever since. Yeah, really good. You have Roy, really loyal support. I mean, your fans are just, and the stadium is the perfect size. I mean, really, when they were playing at Arrowhead, there might have been 10,000 people there, maybe less. Or, well, it looked like there was absolutely nobody because the place seats almost 80. So you build a, so a soccer-specific building, 10, 12, 14,000 people looks great, but yours is sold out and just is just incredible, and everybody in the league knows about it. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's been nice. I mean, it's been you know we're very appreciative of the league kind of recognizing what we did. And we're all about the fan experience, right? Okay, whether it's the fan experience at game day or it's the fan experience on broadcast or it's the fan experience that we're building now in the digital world. Right. Uh, that's kind of who we are, and we work very hard at that. And and the whole experience thing is something that it pervades kind of what we did at Cerner and all that. We're, and yeah. we use the we use the Disney model for managing experience. We've got a theme. We design it from the very beginning to the very end. We'd sweat the details. We always push the people out front. Yeah. And we throw in a few magic moments. Sure. That is the Disney formula, and we just wear it out at Children's Mercy <laughs> Park and every place else that we go. And yeah. it works. Yeah. And it and it fills the place up mm -hmm. and and um, you know, it causes people to want to come back and uh hopefully over time we'll uh, as a sport across America, garner much more uh, broad fan attention. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe we've got a shot at passing the NBA or um, the NHL at yeah. some point and becoming the, the second or third most popular sport in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think they do. I just think it's, it's incremental. I mean, it's just step by step. You still have Europe. Which is like, you know what I mean? It's like just a huge, I mean, it is it's, everything in Europe. Okay, everything else takes a back seat. But uh, for some, we have football, Major League Baseball, basketball. You can and, say, and, hockey, and, but, and the country's great because of that. Yes. Sports in this, I mean, we have the largest commercial sports market in the world because of all that. Yeah. Uh, clearly, the NFL is kind of the top of the heap, but uh, every sport is, 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 is does a great job of, of consolidating their fan interest, of creating broadcast products that are compelling, and the world wants to play their sports here. Yeah, right. And and we'll get a chance to see that. And we're going to in 2026. That's going to be so exciting. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, uh, a little bit as well. But you've always said that having well-run sports and winning sports just floats that city to the top just gives it something special. And we've experienced that since 2015, the Royals 14 and 15, 14 are in the world series, 15, they win it. Then you go, you have Patrick Mahomes and, and the chiefs right now and the draft and everything else is just really Super exploded. Super Bowls, world series, right. MLS cup, open cup championships, right. Uh, KU basketball, national basketball exactly. championships. I mean, can't say, I mean, this is, I think that one of the one of the absolute critical points to what makes Kansas City so attractive and yes. so magnetic right. is the is the fact that we just don't have a lot of sports. There's lots of cities that have lots of sports, but we our 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 teams do well. Yeah, and we make a statement for little old Kansas City out mm -hmm. in the middle of the country. Um, you know, through our through our sports, and I think it's one of the things that makes us attractive. Yeah. 2026 for the World Cup. When was the first inkling you got that maybe this could happen? We could get that here, and you knew it was going to be highly competitive across the United States with uh, other cities. But when did you uh, when did you have a real inkling that you know what 
this is going to fly. Well, we've we always had a good relationship with U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer is the federation in this country that represents everything soccer and is right. part of FIFA. Uh, the World Cup is FIFA's show. Uh, we saw that in Qatar, and we see it every four years uh, someplace in the world, and it's all about countries competing against countries. Um, and, you know, so it was when uh, the the um, uh, the commitment of FIFA to the to North America because it was it was all three Canada the United States and Mexico that bid uh, directly to FIFA and it's to the point where they announced that and I think it was what twenty fifteen uh, or seventeen something like yeah. that 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 announcement occurred uh, that's when it really started for us because we were soccer here in this part of the the country. And uh, Jake Reed with, with sporting and, and uh, Kathy Nelson with the Sports Commission and others put together a really uh, good and aggressive plan for how to put a proposal in front of FIFA that would be uh, compelling. And coming from a small market like Kansas yeah. City, we felt like it was a long shot and that we'd have to really kind of overperform to, to even be considered. Um, you know, we got down to the very end. I've had many people when they, um, you know, and, and all the, uh, the Canadian and um, uh, United States cities, uh, there are um, uh, a, a total of 13 of those. They're all MLS cities. Right. And so when I go to meetings and things and I see the other owners in MLS, they're always curious as to how did you guys pull off this World Cup thing? <laughs> You're, Kansas City's a very unlikely host city. Yeah, How'd right. you put, What'd you have to pay FIFA to do that? Yeah, I know. Because I remember the FIFA Netflix documentary, you know. How much did you have to pay those yeah, guys? Yeah, Red Card is <laughs> yes, the, the right. book is, is, is another good example. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, we just we just got out. The, we just, again, we figured it out. Yeah. And, um, you know, whacked away at it and, and broke it down into pieces. Got a lot of good people involved. Um, put a, together a compelling proposal. Uh, we absolutely knocked the socks off of the site visits when they when they came through. I mean, one example was they were the 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 host committees were the, the from FIFA that were looking at things uh, came and they stayed at Lowe's downtown, the new Lowe's hotel at the time downtown. And when we, we, when we finished the big group meeting mm-hmm. with the governors and the mayors and everybody with 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 the FIFA folks. We wanted to walk over to Power and Light for a, a, a barbecue a luncheon, barbecue luncheon at the at the living room there at Power and Light, and so all these FIFA people are walking out of the building and they look across the street into that that lawn on the south side of Bartle Hall. Oh yes, and there's a whole bunch of kids playing soccer with coaches. <laughs> and wow. this is in the middle of a weekday, and, and that's what and they couldn't. You had believe to have it. set this yeah. up now. Come yeah. on. Oh yeah, no, no <laughs> question, no this question. Staged, it was all it designed was to be impressive, <laughs> and so awesome. I think I think we did a really good job on the proposal. Um, you know, I think personally, I think the reasons we got it. Well, number one was the new airport. Mm-hmm. Had we not had the new airport, we would not have had a chance. Uh, number two is is kind of our, um, um, you know, the, the 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 size of Arrowhead. I think Arrowhead's probably the second or third biggest, biggest venue that they're going to play in, and then and then I think another big part of it is we we at Sporting we've worked hard to build the soccer uh, capital of America, mm-hmm. um, you know, brand around Kansas City and the in the in the shows we put on at Power and Light for the the, the national team 
watch parties and things all makes all made a little bit of a yeah. difference. So we thought threw it all out there just as who we are, and uh, it's coming. We got a we got a great <laughs> hearing, and in the final analysis, we build out beat out uh, Denver and Nashville and Cincinnati, Orlando and Washington D.C. Yeah, this will be the first World Cup in history where the host country's capital is not hosting games. Oh wow! And um, so again, we're the, by far the smallest market, but we're in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, and and what'll happen? And this will be the first World Cup of forty-eight teams, uh, and so there's going to be forty-eight venues around the country that will host the eight camps mm-hmm. for 18. these, and we're we're hopeful of getting two or three or maybe four of those here in the Kansas City area. Um, they'll use our our uh, sporting facilities. The current new facilities are are, are excellent. Uh, we've got. You know, KU is ready to host if 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 we're if we we need them, um, and we'll end up. I think with, I mean, if we're fortunate enough to get some of the 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 maybe not the biggest soccer countries in the world right. to come to Kansas City's base camp, we'll get some of the second tier ones, and some of those some of those countries travel with twenty five thousand fans oh, for absolutely. the entire World Cup. Right. I, I don't so, see why why we after playing football over there, just. Yeah. A few weeks. I don't know why we can't get Germany here. If well, you got Germany here, that yeah, would be unbelievable. From People your have lips, to God's no. ears. And we have, and we have a good you know, sporting has a good relationship with the national team people in in, in Germany. That'd be uh, great. Bayern Munich played here yeah. uh, several years ago. Mm-hmm. I think we did a great job of hosting them. And Bayern Munich has a lot to do about created where, tremendous buzz. Yeah, where they where they go, and and you know people worry a little bit about do we have enough hotel rooms and all that yeah. stuff. And we got we pretty much got all that figured out. We got a great uh, committee and a great uh, task force put together on this and we're continuing to work hard on 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 that almost daily yeah um, you know and um, you know I'd, I'd like to think that we'll end up with uh, three or four hundred thousand fans that that come through and maybe half a million that actually end up either attending a game here or spend some time in Kansas City around the World wow. Cup Incredible. And if we're shorter rooms, I'm counting on your house. Okay, fine. No problem. They can use the upstairs of my house. You're, come on out. It's okay with me. I don't mind at all. It'll be fun. You know, I, I have to tell one quick story, and then we'll talk a lot about, you know, the Illich Family Foundation and everything else you do here in Kansas City to make it such a great place. We're at George Brett's 60th birthday. I don't remember if, if remember you remember that. this. Okay. We're standing there, and I brought Sarah in, and we're standing there, We're talking to you and your wonderful wife, Bonnie. And we're just sitting there. We talked for a long period of time, and— uh, I walked away from the table, and Sarah stayed there, and you two stayed there. I went to see somebody. I came back about five minutes later, and Sarah goes, Oh, my God, Frank, you won't believe this. The Yellings really love soccer. Maybe you and I can take them to a game. I went, hun, they own the team. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the great we talk about that all the time. It's one of the greatest moments ever. It was really just really funny, but it was good. But that's how um uh, just how unassuming and how it's just the way you are. Okay. It just was not a thing that, that was going to be out there, but let's talk about the Illick family foundation, the Patterson foundation and Bonnie is on a list <laughs> about a mile long of, of things that, that, that she supports as well. So, well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Frank, we, uh, for years, um, you know, from 1980 when we kind of started the company through really, um, mid to late nineties, uh, we, Neil and I, very consciously said that we weren't going to spend a lot of time in the community. We did the entrepreneurial stuff because mm-hmm. that was very natural for us. We d- d- decided the best thing we could do for Kansas City was to make Cerner successful. And so that's where we put all of our energy. 
uh, once we kind of got through that and, and we brought in and, and, you know, I moved, I was, uh, Neil was uh, chairman and CEO. I was president chief operating officer. Uh, Neil always said that the reason we had those titles is we flipped a coin and he lost. Uh, <laughs> so, and, but we brought in some other um, very capable executive uh, management as this company had grown to a certain point where we just needed and we had the worldwide footprint developing and all that. And so I kind of stepped back from it. And so that put me in a position to go do some things in the, in the community. Uh, I was on uh, really a very early version of the board at the Kauffman Foundation mm-hmm. was the center for, or excuse me, the uh, Ewing Kauffman, um, uh, the, the, the entrepreneurial side of it. And, um, uh, and then in, I don't know, 2001, 2002, um, you know, I was, I was chatting with uh, Dick Brown. Uh, Dick was a client. Uh, he used to run Health Midwest here in town and was one of our biggest clients in, in, actually in the country when I was at Cerner. And, but he moved over and, and was working with Jim Stowers on forming the Stowers Institute for Medical Research, which was just a huge endeavor. And um, Jim Stowers, you know, I had some thoughts on, on how we could take what was coming out of the Institute at some point in terms of discoveries and commercializing those and using those to benefit Kansas City in terms of growing a, a life sciences uh, um, um, industry here. And uh, Jim was um, interested in the thinking there and Dick kind of got us all together and declared and, and, and we started talking about it. now Biomed Valley Discoveries, which is the for-profit arm of, of Stowers, is the out is the outcome of that, and it's doing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And um, but we just we 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 said that um, in order for um, I, I need if I was going to do that, I really couldn't do Kaufman and some of the other things. So I focused on that, uh, and I've been on that board since. I chair I think the governance committee, the audit committee, the board, and you know just it's a it's an incredibly valuable asset for our region. And, and but I got to watch uh, Ewing Kaufman. The way he put, you know, I watched you and did a bunch of tapes early on uh, about what he wanted the Coffin Foundation to be, to to um, uh, to, to do and to be like. Um, you know, I got very caught up in the donor's intent, mm-hmm. whether it was at Kaufman or Stowers or someplace else, and and I really began to realize what a philanthropic place Kansas City is. Mm-hmm. And you know, for decades and decades, we've had the halls and. In the blocks and 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 others in Kansas City who set a standard and and uh, and then the numbers support it because I think on a per capita basis Kansas City is one of the most philanthropic cities in the country mm-hmm. um, and and so it it was entrepreneurs largely uh, people had started business and even Joyce Hall was an entrepreneur right. who started a business um, started their business grew it in Kansas City uh, created a bunch of employment created a major brand statement out of Kansas City to the rest of the world and then built some wealth, personal wealth out of it as well. And then, um, you know, took that wealth and and committed it to over the long term to doing really spectacular and, and in many cases, unique things. Mm-hmm. And so it was pretty, and, you know, and so as Neil and I watched that grow up, it was pretty easy for us to say, gosh, we ought to be, we ought to be kind of watching that model and maybe following their footsteps. Um, you know, Neil's um, foundation is very substantial. 
Uh, it certainly is on a, on, a, on a level that is very similar to what Mr. Stowers and Mr. Kaufman and some others have started with in terms of multi-billion dollar uh, uh, estates that were dedicated to the philanthropic endeavor. Um, and uh, it's been my uh, uh, pleasure to work with and watch uh, Neil's kids uh, who actually run that, that, that foundation, put it on a course where it will be, I think, over time uh, as significant as some of the others in terms of what it does for Kansas City and the, and, 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 uh, the various missions that it, that, it, that it takes on. In my case, I'm you know, a little bit smaller in terms of what I could do. Um, you know, I've always supported, you know, I've always been a big believer in, in making what I call investment-grade gifts, Okay, these are larger gifts that that may span multiple years. Um, you know, I uh, put a fair amount of money into the new business school business building over at the University of Kansas, um, and, and I've done some other things. And so, you know, both both endeavors are doing the right thing. They're quite a bit different in terms sure. of, of of what what we what we do, um, but it's um, you know I'm a big believer that not for profits need to. Uh, act more like enterprises. They need to be thinking about what's necessary to be high performance. And I think that the, uh, I certainly believe that, that, that Stowers falls into that category. I think the Patterson Foundation is being built around that uh, that thought and the thing I, things I try to do, we do the same thing. Yeah, it's only going to be greater things for Kansas City. Well, and I'd like, I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, that, that, um, uh, it will be one of those reasons why people are magnetized to Kansas you City. You bet. That's why we always say, Cliff, there's just something about Kansas City. You know what <laughs> I, mean? you, you, I can't. I give can't me think, a dimension. Yeah, you and bet. I can, I, can, I can give you about six things that are what I, the characteristics of Kansas City that I think um, amplify uh, each of those things. And uh, thrown together, they all make a pretty compelling case that there's hardly any place better to be. You bet. I can't thank you enough for coming and spending some time with us today. Love your fun. story. Your story was great. Just <laughs> love it. Okay. And Sarah does now know that we don't have to. We don't have to take the illegal target. No, you just. I, you, <laughs> I know somebody. I, just call. Me. I know somebody. We'll get you. Got. It. Thanks, Cliff. Appreciate All right, it, Frank. Folks, thank you again. As Cliff said and said so well, there is just something about Kansas City.